back in the Coyote Fitness Podcast Studio. Man, it is good to be in here and not have all that background noise. If so, we're going to listen to an episode where we're not all screaming at the top of our lungs into the microphone. I got to admit, it was it was a good time, but it's good to be back in our normal environment. Yeah, it's, it's the mobile studios, apparently. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. We, well, we any place, any room we're in, full disclosure, any room we're in is, is called a studio. Yeah, have you guys been filming without me? Because I've never been in this room before. <laughs> 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 kind of creeped out, this this horse head is just looking at me it is like (laughs) staring right at you yeah so um, i think we should just leave that to the intrigue where are these guys i don't know maybe that could be something people where in the world is carmen san (laughs) diego man what a great show don't distract me (laughs) so we decided to pull this episode out hey we need to sit down and talk about because we have this big thing in the crossfit world coming up pretty soon everybody's looking forward to it and i think i saw last week is actually getting uh coverage on a major media outlet is it NBC that's carrying the games this year CBS CBS man what's crazy because that's been part of the frustration for fans trying to figure out how are we going to watch this we can catch it on ESPN we got to get on Facebook live <laughs> now they're just going big time with it which is pretty cool but we're all getting pretty excited about the CrossFit games which totally kicks up the geek and every CrossFitter trying to figure out who's going to do well where who's going to finish who's not going to finish how are the games going to go what are they going to pull out of their hat are we going to have another one of those obstacle course kind of craziness things going on so we're we're in the studio today to discuss uh, a couple of different things but mainly we're going to try to take it down to who, who are the top three in each category then we're going to talk about potentially who's going to underperform. It's a little difficult to pick on these people who've actually made it to the games and uh, say that they won't do well. But it ha- look, it happens, right? I mean, everybody, oh, yeah. everybody's human. It's fun so, to be able to sit back and armchair quarterback the best in the world. Yeah, really, really. So uh, it's, it's going to be a fun discussion we're going to have today. How should we kick this off? Where do we want to start? Uh, I think uh, let's start off with a, maybe, a, uh, maybe a prediction with um, – with a, with an event like I mean we we know what we know right now day one is that we're gonna have event one is gonna be some cycling, uh they're doing thirty muscle ups for time as the second event event three is the uh, is the CrossFit total which I think is awesome, and um and then they announced that there's gonna be a fourth event but I don't think they've said anything. He didn't further say what yet. it was yet. He just said it was gonna be the fourth <clears throat> event of the day and he said it was gonna be the hardest day in crossfit games history or something like well, that. And, well we know we know that first event on the bike it is a road bike so apparently they're going to be biking a long way road bike oh okay yeah i got it well with those 30 muscle ups for time uh now that Kalipa's not on the scene it's it's totally up in there who could win that <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> i thought you're being serious for a second i was like <laughs> ben doesn't watch like, a lot oh, of crossfit ben, yeah ben knows what's going on <laughs> uh, so we think it's the biking is going to be a little bit different than we're out in the field having to jump over crap and uh you know yeah. it was interesting watching that last year i thought this was a, a cool way to make this transition from one venue to the other but it seemed like a really a really risky way for people to get really dumb injuries. Uh, yeah, and and somebody did. Um, uh, Camille, Camille Blanc Bazinet uh, had to uh, had to drop out after that event. Yeah, the cyclocross was. I mean, it was cool, I guess, something different. But the road bike, well, I'll be interested to see what they do with that. If they do a triathlon, or if it's just road bike, my prediction would be it's a triathlon. Uh, that's what I would say. It's probably going to be probably a pretty long event. Um, and then I think they'll finish the day out event four with some type of pretty brutal CrossFit um, workout. I wouldn't be surprised to see some some type of throwback workout. They've already got the uh, CrossFit total in there, in there, which they did the uh, the first year of the games in 2007. 
Uh, so we'll see. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think that first day will be pretty fun to watch. And that'll be Wednesday, too. Uh, so that this podcast should come out the day before uh, the CrossFit game starts. So we're pretty excited to watch that. So do you take the guys, that, if this is, let's say it's a triathlon, I mean, that kind of evens things out. But there are definitely things that could still just crush people. You know, if uh, like we go all the way back to – uh, you get these guys in the pool like, oh, my gosh, we're swimming at the CrossFit Games. But still, there are people who emerge as better swimmers, but then you get them on the road for those long runs. Mm-hmm. The temperature may affects a lot of that. We've seen that with Murph when they've pulled that out. But is a is a triathlon built for a particular athlete that we know is on the scene that will be there? I think you typically uh – uh, whenever you get a long endurance workout like that, the first people that you have to look at to do well are going to be the internationals, the people that, because uh, people in um, Australia and Europe, they didn't grow up with all of the, playing all of the uh, anaerobic sports like football and basketball and weightlifting like you do in America. They they played a lot of soccer and did a lot of swimming and stuff like that. So people that are very comfortable in the water um, are the people that uh, that you would look at to do well first because you can go in. Go, if there is a swim, you can go into the swim with a big lead and it can disappear real quick. And yeah, we see that happen a lot. I guess one thing that I'm always curious about, and I, and I think our listeners would be as well, inside the mind of a games athlete, when you start with an endurance workout, are you thinking, man, it's going to be a long couple of days, I need to make sure a measure here, or are you just going all out? You know, you're watching Netflix and the guy's like, man, this was supposed to be kind of let's get to the water and it turned out to my fastest mile I've ever run in my life. Yeah. You know? How much does that affect the, the overall tone of the games? I'm sure it's an intentional decision to throw people out of their game. I think the, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they definitely getting caught up in the moment and going way too hard to start. And you see some people pay the price. I think some people aren't able to recover from that effort. Like, uh, the, the first year they had Murph and they ran like a six minute mile with the vest on. And then you just saw people exploding and some people had to like literally drop out of the games after that. And I think you see the same thing every year, you know, I think what happens is, you know, you got probably what, I don't know, 20, 25 veterans and then 15 or 20 rookies in there. Well, you think about them, this is their first event at the CrossFit games ever. They've been training for five, six, seven years for this. And I mean, they're going to come out there and it's going to be, they're going to be more amped up than they've ever been for a workout. And you say it's a hour long triathlon. It's going to be really hard. It's going to take a really disciplined athlete to say, Hey, this is what I've been training for my whole life, but Hey, I need to pace it to start. I I can't come out (laughs) of the box. Like just, just killing it. You know what I mean? Um, so just, you know, people like Brent Fikowski, who he, he knows what he's doing. You watch him, he's, he'll start off on a workout like that, and he won't even be close to the front. And then, you know, halfway through, sure enough, he'll be at the front of the pack. So people like that who know their own pace. But you'll see some of these guys, especially who are more um, fast-twitched athletes. I don't I don't think you'll see as much this year as you have in the past because in the past they never had it. They didn't have an endurance event at regionals. So guys could make it to the games without having done a long endurance event. They had one this year at regionals, so I think – the people who are at the games this year have proved that they can do well at an event like that. So I think that the, the pacing will probably be a little bit better than normal. Uh, but we'll see. You never know what happens when you get out there and the, the CBS cameras are in your face. And Man, yeah, you see these guys talk about it too. There's just so many different elements involved in that you see them say, yeah, I knew I had to do this pace. I knew I had to do that pace. But then the guy to my left, man, he was, he was killing it. And I just yeah. got caught up in the moment and, 
you know, guys talk about it, especially getting off that assault bike when they have that. It's like it just mows people under. That sense of competition is very difficult uh, for guys at this level, men and women, to shut down. Uh, you know, it's like I want to beat the guy next to me or the woman next to me, and you get thrown off your game. I think this is why, uh, regardless of how you feel about him, uh, Froning will be part of the conversation forever because he was just such a disciplined athlete in those scenarios. Yeah, he knew his pace, and he stuck with it. And, you know, he he was never, hardly ever, at the front of the pack after, like, the first round of a workout or the first part of a workout. He was always just right in the middle of the pack, and then he would slowly – uh, make his way up as it got on, and then he would finish strong at the end and pass everybody. So he was – there's a reason he won four years in a row. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, your take on this as far as programming is concerned, Chris, with these endurance workouts, this is something that these guys kind of probably loop into their program when we're getting into the part of the year where, where competition is showing up, or do you have to train year-round for this stuff? Uh, you know, the um – you talking about like like for an endurance workout? Yes, yes, I think uh, ho- hopefully you during the off season you've built up a pretty good base of uh, a good you've uh, put in a good amount of volume with uh, with low intensity aerobic work and that's really what this should be. And um, you're uh, as you're approaching to the games, you're trying to uh, you're trying to peak the uh, peak the intensity and the volume of that intensity. So you you would be probably better served um, to. Uh, to do uh, to do more metcons here and there, and uh, and sprinkle in the uh, the endurance work just to kind of keep yourself uh, keep yourself fresh. But like, very very rarely is has the winner of that long endurance event gone on to win uh, to win the game. So it's not just a crucial piece. You want to be in good enough shape where you're just not where you're not going to tank it. But you don't want to uh, you don't want to make that the sole focus because if you're really focusing on making sure that you win that endurance event, you're going to sacrifice a lot of strength, a lot of ex- a lot of uh, explosive uh, explosive efforts, and um, and uh, you're going to put yourself at a point where like, if you're doing that much running, you know it's going to just you'll beat your beat yourself up and you know probably just take away from your overall effort for the weekend. Yeah, I think whoever wins those events or does well in those events typically is a person like Chris said earlier with the endurance background and they have the most time training, you know, not just in the past year but in their whole life training this type of thing and they can just do well at it uh without having to work on a lot. The people who are oh, I qualified for the games, so I need to start working on my swimming and running. Those people typically aren't going to do yeah. too well, at, you know, with with three months of training for it under their belt. So, but yeah, I mean, that's a really good point too. The people who usually start off well, you, typically how you've seen the games in the past is they start off with the long endurance stuff and then they start working towards more of the CrossFit stuff. And that's why Rich Froning always started off lower and then he'd work his way up. And then by Saturday night, you know, Saturday night's usually kind of when he started making his charge and pulling away. Well, um, you know, this year I think it'll be a little bit different. It looks like they're going to have some more typical CrossFit on the first day, but they are going to start with that endurance event. The Whoever is at the top after the endurance event is probably not going to be at the top at the end of the weekend. Um, so yeah, that's typically how it goes, you know. I, it's it's going to be hard for somebody to be the best at the triathlon and then the best at Fran. You know, that's that you're not going to see really anybody that – with. You know, they're, they're all going to be good at both, but you're not going to be somebody who's the best in the world at one and the best in the world at the other. Okay. You, you know something that, that actually that just occurred to me, looking at the three events that we know that first day, we know that the first event, like uh, if you relate it back to um, 
the CrossFit methodology, like what you're going to read in the level one handbook. You've got that first event is all monostructural. Second event is all gymnastics. The third event is all weightlifting. So you're probably going to end up getting a good little, uh, mixed modality, uh, probably one, one of each. Hey, that's a good point. Yeah. Cause he, he did that same way at regionals yep, too. Cause sure that's did. how he wrote it up on the, when he announced it, he wrote, uh, MMM and then he wrote, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how I didn't think of that until now, but that's going to, that's going to be interesting to see. And Dave loves to do themes throughout each year and yeah. do a theme like that. So I'm, I'm sure that's the theme. So the fourth event at regionals was that sprint, uh, burpee and snatch workout. So who knows? So it could be something like that. I would guess they're going to have some type of fast CrossFit workout, uh, mm-hmm. for that event for something fun and exciting to watch. Yeah. So this brings us to a big part of the discussion here. There's so many different factors that play into how these athletes perform in such a short time span, just a few days. An entire year of training comes down to just a few days. You've got their background as an athlete. Were they a gymnast? Were they a power lifter? How long have they been doing CrossFit? Who's been coaching them? I mean, it, it's almost impossible uh, to predict, unless you have a track record of how they've performed at the games, how they're going to do. So let's jump into this. Let's uh, let's go. At, let's start with the women. How about that? Okay. Our, our top Ooh, three predictions. The, hard, the hardest the, category. The hardest category. Yeah. yeah. Top three predict because I feel like you know if we we go to start talking about the men, the same names are going to come <clears> up. <throat> let's start with our top three women, and then after we roll through that, we can get to who's going to. How do we term it? Underperform. Yeah. They're they're incredible athletes. Not to trying to take anything away from them, just they'll probably underperform based on these factors on, at the games this based year. Based on their expectations and yes, everybody yeah. else's expectations. Right, more. right. I mean, everybody's admitting that I probably couldn't take any of these people in a workout, <laughs> you know, but I, I am allowed to have an opinion, right? Depends of on course. the workout, right? <laughs> Depends on the workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was show up to the gym, well, no, I couldn't win that one either. But I could beat Chase. Um, all right, so <laughs> I'll, you want me to go first or you? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll I'll go first for the women. I I've gone back and forth on this. Uh, I think there's legitimately five women who could win, um, and so whenever you have that, that makes it really tough. I think there's probably ten plus who could podium. So I think it's wide open. I you know the, on the order I keep going back and forth. Um, I was really impressed by Katrin at regionals. I think she looked really really solid. Um, I, I think that she's going to get third. I, I don't think she's going to win this year. Uh, I just – I think in this category, I think you're, it's going to go to who wants it the most. And I think who wants it the most is the person who has not won before, and I think that's Cara Saunders. Uh, she got second last year. She was a split second away. I think when they're all this closely, um, you know, lined up physically – and skill-wise and all across the board, I think it's going to come down to who wants it the most. And I think Katrin's won it twice. Um, I think she she's hungry. I think she'll get back. Last year, let's see, last year she got fifth. I think she'll get back on the podium this year, but I think she's going to get third. Um, she did have the top performance in the world um, in regionals, which is really impressive considering she went on the first weekend. Uh, so she did really well. Uh, but I think those workouts definitely favored her. Uh, we, you can already see with, you know, 30 muscle ups for time. I don't think that's going to be a great one for, um, CrossFit total. I don't think that's going to be a great one for, um, so we'll see, you know, I think she looks really strong, but I'm going to pick her to finish third. 
I'm going to pick Tia to finish second. Tia won last year. Uh, she was second overall performance at regionals this year. Um, but, you know, last year her and Carl were basically neck and neck all the way to the very end. So I'm I'm going to give Cara Saunders the, the nod and pick her to win it all just based off of she's the only one that hasn't won before, and I think she's going to be the hungriest. And I think when it comes down to it, she's going to be the one that's going to go all out and uh, and do it. So that's my pick. Uh, third, Katrin. Second, Tia. First, Carl. I think that Annie Thor's daughter and uh, Sarah Sigmund's daughter um, are all in the running for the podium too. I think that Jamie Green is a is is a outside shot for the podium, and I think Brooke Wells is the outside shot for the podium. I think they're all looking good, but that's my top three. Interesting, interesting, very very calculated, very honor. Uh, um, Hunter Owen Wade. Based on the 19 years of history I researched last night. Based on my data here. <laughs> on my data. I, I, I did create a, a spreadsheet. In I know, I'm, oh, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm surprised you didn't have like a three-ring binder of all your... I'll have, uh, I'll have the, my top 40 uh, predictions for all three posted on my Instagram. Uh, is that a pie our, graph over there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. a pie. Yeah, it <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to eat the pie later. <laughs> right, so very different, uh, probably very different uh, strategy to coming up with these top three. Let's go with Chris. Okay. So um, in third place, I have Cara Saunders just based off of a, you know, a really strong, um, a really strong regional performance. And, uh, you know, like uh, like you said, I think she's still <clears throat> still extremely motivated. But uh, I just don't. I think when it, in terms of overall talent, just versatility, I don't think she is as strong as my second place pick, and that is uh, and that is uh, Sarah Sigmund's daughter. I think Sarah is with a coach now that she trusts, and I I just have a sneaking suspicion that they are going to have her peaked at the right time. And Sarah, man, it's like. If she can just avoid those one or two just mental mistakes, it's not even like she gets in a workout and she just gets buried by a weight or she just blows up. She will just do something dumb, putting her her hand in the wrong place, stepping over a line before she's supposed to. It's those are the things that kill her. And if she can avoid those, then she's going to make a hard charge of the podium and she's going to be really hard to beat. Um, and winning, uh, winning it all... Um, I have Katrin David's daughter because I will. I'm actually going to kind of go. I have the opposite opinion. Yeah, she's won it twice, but she didn't win it last year. And um, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing Katrin and saying that she doesn't want it bad. And a Katrin David's daughter with a chip on her shoulder is a dangerous, dangerous athlete. Like I watched her. I was more impressed with her performance at regionals than anybody else that I saw. You go back and you watch her do uh, do Linda, and it was incredible. It's one of the most incredible performances I've seen in CrossFit. Period. And uh, so that's uh, that's my top three uh, from three to one: Cara, Sarah, and Katrin. Um, but you know, you could pretty much, like Hunter said, throw take ten names out of a hat, draw them out in any order, and you've got a pretty decent shot. At getting it, uh, at getting it right. So you don't think T is going to get on the podium, huh? Nope, man. I don't think so, man. I don't. I just because just because she's won it now, and I just yeah. don't know if she has the uh, if she has the head game to be able to come back and do two in a row. I could see her going the way of um, of Camille. I like I like Sarah a lot. I hope I hope you're right about the peaking thing because she was 14th. Yeah, she didn't do she didn't do extremely well compared regionals. to all the women and 15th in the open. So. Did did not look too strong compared to everybody else. 
Um, so we'll see. I mean, it'll it'll be fun. I, mean, I think the women is definitely going to be the most fun yeah. uh, of the competitions to watch. It's going to be. I think it's going to be up and down all weekend. The leaderboard's going to shift. There's people are going to be going all over the place. And then if you just look at the list of all the people in there, there's a whole lot of recognizable names in there. On the oh, men's yeah. side, there you know there's some, but it's just it, it, there's a whole lot of turnover in the men's side every year. The women, it's just a who's who of CrossFit, and it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so I'm going to go uh, three to one here. I'm going to pick Brooke Wells as third. Woo. Um, I think because we were discussing this off mic, I just I don't know her approach to the sport seemed to be tenth and to have that approach to the sport, the time of year. I'm just gonna I think she's gonna get the podium. I think she's gonna finish third. Um, that I'm aware of, there are not a lot of huge weaknesses in her in her game. She's really improved her uh, her endurance. You could see that during triple three at yeah. regionals. She yeah, does really she well. Has. She's, yeah. she's looking strong this year. Yeah. She, she's looking about as good as I've seen her. I, I kind of have her as one of my first outside looking in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm with you on this, Hunter. I'm going to go Cara for two. And then I'm also with you, and, uh, Chris, on this with Katrin. Like when I, when I hear a um, CrossFit athlete say, I will never forget that feeling, that's usually the building block for just somebody destroying yeah. that competition when they get yeah. back to it. You cannot undervalue how mentally prepared Ben Bergeron has as athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I'm agree. Gonna, I'm going to go with that. All right, so this uh, this ought to be fun. I know we're going to approach this delicately, but as far as underperforming, which could be for a lot of reasons, injury, do you want to do the top three on all other ones and then do the underperformers, or do you just want to do women all the way across? Yeah, let's do women all the way across. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So underperformer, uh, I'll go first on this one, and and. Uh, this person, I think, is like what do they call like a darling of CrossFit? Uh, but China Cho, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's been a while. You yeah. know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I can think, I think we're probably on one of those, like, uh, yeah. just part of her career where it's like, okay, you're, you're hanging in there, but there's so, mi- there's so much youth coming into the sport that's just yeah. gonna be hard to keep up. This will be, this will be her second year with. Uh, with new coaches, and I'm really, I'm really curious to see how that, uh, how that affects her. She didn't fall off very much last year. See, she got 17th last year. Has she? She, she gotten in the, usually. I mean, you she know, gotten in the top 10 before. I don't think so. She usually hangs out yeah. around that, around that range. So she was 21st at, at regionals, 18th in the open. So right around in that 20 range. Yeah. You know, I, I have her in the, you know, late teens. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, you get to this, Chris, what you're pointing out. I mean, her her efforts are impressive. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But you get to a point where you're kind of – you see this in a lot of professional athletes. They're they're changing coaches. They're trying to figure out different strategies. Got a lot going on. Yeah, that's because they're. I think there are probably signals being sent by their body. Like, I've got to change my methodology to keep the same results. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But that's my pick. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I'm picking Tenno Burline. Um she did not look good at regionals at all. She was 36th out of 40 athletes overall at regionals. She was 27th out of 40 in the open. She said she was sick at regionals. I mean, there was altitude, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I get it. But, yeah, I just she didn't she didn't look good. You know, she was sixth last year. That's going to be hard to follow up, especially with how uh, competitive the field is. Um, I'm going to have her dropping off, you know, into the late teens, somewhere in there. So she's she's my pick on the women's side to fall off the most. Same pick for the same reasons. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- that was uh, that was my pick. Uh, also, somebody to underperform for her pr- from her performance last year. Uh, yeah. She just uh, 
<clears throat> she's, I mean, she's a bulldog now. You know, she's going to get in there and she's going to scrap and she's going to get after it. But uh, I just, I think the field of this year, especially like she was six last year, the top 10 is just so loaded. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so crowded. Yeah. It's going to be really hard for her to get, um, to get top 10 finishes in, uh, in any event this year, I feel like, especially with the, uh, with the opening, the opening two workouts, a long endurance and then 30 muscle ups for time. She's going to have a deep hole to try to climb out yeah. of. Yeah, and for uh, like a bigger athlete too, I don't think her power lifts are are too strong compared. Nah, not um, where they should be. No. All right. Well, that actually was a little easier than we thought it was going to be. I think so because what we're all we? like we're probably all going to be wrong. We want to do dark horses too. Yeah. For the, yeah. yeah. For the women. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't have a dark horse pick. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Her. So my dark horse pick is I actually been talking about this girl since January, um, Laura Horvath from Hungary. Um, she's coming on really, really strong uh, this year. She was 13th uh, compared to out of, the, out of the 40 women in the Open and 6 out of the 40 women in Regionals. Um, so I'm looking to see her um, get close to a top 10 finish this year. She's really, really strong, young, up and coming. I think she's 20. Uh, she won – I think she won Dubai Fitness Challenge this year. That was the first time I saw her. Um, so, yeah, she. I think she's uh, – uh, looking really strong this year. I've been following her training a little bit. She looks, she's hitting really, really good numbers. Uh, I think Mich- Michelle Latondra is her coach, I think. So she's looking good. Uh, got a good coach uh, with a lot of experience in her background. So uh, Laura Horvath uh, from Hungary, watch out for her. And my uh, my dark horse, I went back and forth. Uh, I actually almost had uh, Horvath also, but uh, I went with uh, with Jamie Green. Yeah. Won the uh, won the open two years ago. She was on a team for a while. Uh, she's uh, she's from uh, is it uh, UAE? Isn't that where she's from? Yeah, she's from Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, United Arab Emirates. And um, yeah, I, I I think she's one of the one of the rising stars. She's one of the ones you know when uh when the Annies and the Caras start to move out, mm-hmm. she's gonna slide up into that spot and she's gonna be one of those forces to be reckoned with. Just extremely talented without a whole lot of holes. It's just gonna be getting her uh getting her ceiling elevated yeah. over the next couple of years yeah, i think she's, she's going in she's, for a breakout she's year. built for it she was yep. eighth last year mm-hmm. so she did well last year so you think she's going to move into the top five this i think year? so yeah i could definitely see that i have her six but i could see her moving top five too for sure she's she's a really really good strong athlete and she she's got good training partners over there too so i think uh watch out for her as well i think you bring up an extreme point hunter and not, we don't have long to discuss this but you've got this coaching and training partner dynamic that's those are two really big things mm-hmm. like if you had to pick one which one would you pick the the coach because you got to remember these these people that are pretty high level you know and i know it's very small changes that can make a big difference or is it the person that's going to push you over the longest period of time throughout the year or the group of people it'll be we should do a podcast on that you yeah know? yeah i agree for me i would definitely pick the training partner uh, I think a, a good coach is really, really important. But I think if you're working out with somebody that's better than you on a day-to-day basis, um, that's going to bring you to a whole nother level. I think you, if you go and look at, you know, I always try to look at what the, you know, up-and-coming guys are, and girls are doing, you know, who their coach is, you know, what their training environment is, what they're doing. And you see these people who come out of nowhere and all of a sudden – they're doing really well at the games or qualify for the games, you know, they're typically training with people who are better than them. And I think there's a couple reasons that that happens. One is 
when you're with somebody that's better than you every single day in a workout, it's going to push you to be harder, uh, to work harder. And two, you see what it takes. You see what they're doing day in and day out. You see the mobility work they're doing and how serious they're taking their training. Um, you know, how hard they're hitting every single thing, how serious they're taking their food, their recovery, all that type of stuff. If you're just surrounding yourself with some, with people who are better than you on a day-to-day basis, who are not only going to push you, they're going to hold you accountable. I think that's, I think that's the best thing you do. And I think that's the best case in any avenue of life. If you want to be better at something, go be around people who are better than you at that. And it'll, they will pull you up to their level. Makes sense. Are you different with that opinion, Chris? No, I think yeah, that's a a lot of a a lot of great points. Um, I think it's a, it's one reason that you see like a, a lot of the a lot of the uh, misfit guys do really well because you look at their programming. It's not it's not anything just you know groundbreaking. You know from what uh, from what I've seen, but uh, you know all their athletes they tend to do they tend to do really well because they're constantly competing with each other. They create a very competitive environment among their among their athletes. So, yeah, I think your outside influences are absolutely huge. I think we critical. could go on on this topic all day. Yeah, really good. So, yeah, so maybe come we should back, pause and yeah, come back come to, back to that on a whole nother. Yeah, because a part of my opinion is the way you guys are describing it. If you surround yourself with people that are better than you, they're almost coaches as well you know, oh, it's yeah. kind of a, a dual thing all right so let's uh let's get to the man we got to discuss uh, apparently this was going to be a much faster conversation there's not gonna be a lot of variance in this top three for sure <laughs> but uh let's do this let's start with chris this time so your, your top three man let's go three two one three two one i've got fikowski vellner and obviously frazier there's there's nobody that's going to come close to frazier barring uh barring something catastrophic you know he blows out a quad or something like that rolls an ankle as long as he as long as he can avoid that i mean it's just it's incredible how how much better he is than everybody else he is the most dominant force he in really is. any sport it's incredible it really is and just for him to be that size and still be so good at the power lifts and still so good at endurance events and like if he like that sp- for that sprinting thing and he did poorly on the sprint and then the next year he what did he win the sprint event or yeah. something like that man he's He's on another level. I mean, he is, you know, the Michael Jordan of, of CrossFit. Yep. And he's better than Rich Froning ever was. I mean, there's just no doubt about it, in my opinion. Yeah. I know Chris might argue with me on big that statement. one. Big statement. Wait, what now? I said you might argue with me on that, on, on whether uh, Frazier's better, better than Froning ever Oh, he's was. absolutely better than oh, Frazier. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Froning's, Froning's best year wouldn't have beaten Frazier last year. I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think – I think Frazier right now is just on. I mean, it's like I'll, I'll go as far to say that on Froning's best year, he would have had a hard time beating Fikowski. Yeah, yeah, I think that for, like the field of men right now is just on an unbelievable level. The the numbers they're putting up and Frazier makes them all look like yeah mid the, mid, the, mid level regional. The, the field is better than it was five years ago, and and Frazier is still crushing them. Yeah. But uh, I think um, I think Vellner Vellner is uh, is the ne- he's the next big thing. He's right he's right up there. You know, uh, you take Frazier out of the picture. You know, he's the one that I think everybody is considering as a, you know, um, an obvious uh, an obvious podium guy. And uh, Fikowski, uh, Fikowski kind of the uh, kind of the same way. He's almost like the uh, if um, if Frazier is Jordan Fikowski's Larry Bird man. Guys, just so so smooth, <laughs> so calculated. Oh, yeah, that's such a great comparison, isn't it? 
I mean, I was I had oh, all sorts man. of names running through my mind. Yeah. None oh, of them were wow. Bird. <laughs> I can't think of a better. But but <laughs> seriously, but like seriously, Scottie like Pippen, yeah, because like think about it, he does not look like he should be on the podium. No. Bird no. never looked like he should have been on the floor with any no. of those guys. Never, nothing yeah. he did ever looked good either. He just it it was an ugly shot and it would just go accidental. Yep. Yeah, yeah, oh man, um, that's perfect. Watching Fikowski just like and, run sometimes and just and like, I, I'll celebrate. Say, watching him celebrate, <laughs> just like man, this guy is so awkward he's the whitest guy to ever be white yeah but uh i almost i came really close to putting noah olsen in my in my top three the thing is that i have more faith in noah olsen's uh coach and the people around him than i have in noah olsen himself i think the coach he has really elevates him but he just does not have the tenacity and the killer instinct that the uh, that the rest of them have all right pretty interesting all right so i will let we'll let you wrap this up hunter i'm gonna i had olsen as uh three Mm-hmm. Uh, because nice. I've, I feel there's a little bit of me that likes to, to pick the underdog. I don't feel like – I won't say that he's disrespected, but it's kind of like because you don't see that, I would literally rip a guy's heart out to win instinct in him that people are like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if he's got what it takes. And I, I see that because it does take it does take that to get through the games, but I feel like he's going to have a good year. Uh, Vellner for sure. I mean, I've, I've really been digging into this guy because he seems like – this is going to be a weird thing to say, but it, he seems like he's got a much broader view of, of his life. He's really good at CrossFit, but there's just other things that interest him that he gets involved in. I was telling Hunter, I saw him do like a tough mutter or something the other day. I'm like, yeah, yeah that seems like a really dumb thing for a CrossFit guy to do. Uh, you know, but he was just out there and enjoy, enjoying himself. And I think that light, um, dare I say that light spirit can help you get through the way it seems like the games just beat you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, and I, and obviously Frazier, like I, I hate to like this guy. Uh, I hate to respect this guy because he's just not the Why? champion that Frazier was. I'm just like, that Froning was. Yeah. Yeah. That Froning was. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Froning's like a guy's easy to like, and I'm not even talking about the, the faith base. I mean, okay. So I'll, I'll admit that I'm just, he was just easier to like on camera, and and Frazier for me, I'm like, man, this guy is the kind of guy that I just would not want to speak to at a party, just because of his arrogance. But the more stuff that they're putting out there, it seems like he's settling into his role. Uh, but yeah, just incredible amount of respect for the way that he sees deficiencies, which is hard to talk about with this guy. Yeah. But he sees deficiencies, and within one year, corrected. Well, it, well, you know. You say you say arrogance, but then at the same time you hear him say stuff like on the uh, the road uh, road to the games. They asked him, you know, who do you think is on the uh, is on the same level with you? And he said everybody. He is like everybody on the floor scares me to death. Yeah, so. I get that. I think he uses it as motivation. One thing I do, I'll I'll celebrate this guy because I know he's listening, and uh, I don't want him to come to my address. <laughs> he did leave us a yeah, he uh, left uh, us a review. A review yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one thing I, I do want to celebrate about this guy is the way that I think he's going to be a guardian of CrossFit over the next season. Like if you if you want to hang with me and you want to cheat to hang with me, I will destroy you publicly. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and I mean I know Reebok CrossFit, everybody's looking out for that. But I think you have to have a guy on the inside of the game yeah. that says, I'm going to do this stuff above board and if you've got to cheat to hang with me, you know, he had a several choice words to say on that documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I like that about him. I think that's gonna be important. I don't I don't really pick up on an arrogance from him. I, I pick up on a um uh, confidence a somewhat cool cockiness confidence, yeah man. i yeah uh, so but i like him you know i like him i think froning was was awesome i think froning was a lot more open 
uh, with them Frazier. Like I know when they're doing these documentaries, Frazier's kind of staying away from the camera, and so you don't really see him on camera as much as you did with Froning. Froning was kind of um, he was playing into it more, but I think also when Froning was coming up, CrossFit wasn't near as big as it is now, and so it's it's really blown up and kind of CrossFit kind of rose with Froning and. Frazier came into it when it was already at a high level and he's kind of like you know I'm not in it for all this this stuff I'm just in it to compete so I think maybe that that might have something to do with it as well that's a really good point uh what what was the latest latest thing that uh released on Netflix um redeemed and dominant yeah yeah Yeah. I noticed for the first time like whoa this is a very it's like another person in the room this camera presence and Mm -hmm. this this fame and it's not just about i mean sponsorships are great because they allow you to train the way you want to train but then you run just right into the brick wall of media coverage yeah. it's it's a different thing and some people we saw this and we've seen this in professional sports uh over a long period of time um nfl especially guys just get that uh, attention and some of them shut down yeah. like i don't want to have to deal with this i'm not going to play the sport anymore yeah it could be more and more factors as we move on. Yeah, like Rich's first year, 2010, I th- he got second place. I think he won like $500. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you go back and watch the video of the final event, there's like a couple hundred people in the stands. Like nobody nobody cares, you know. And, yeah. and Savon was doing his behind the scenes. I think that was maybe the first or second year he did it. And it's just like this really raw footage. And like, you know, every, it's just like everybody's hanging out at a local throwdown and so yeah yeah you're in front of the camera and then te- you know fast forward four years and now it's on espn and it's a big deal well rich has been a part of that all the way yeah frazier's first year at the games was rich's last year so he comes in and it's on espn it's a big deal the stadium's packed and so ever since he's been involved it's been this big huge thing so i can definitely see like hey you know i don't really want to get involved in this you know i'm going to kind of stay away from it and i i would say rich would probably be the same way because he seems like that same type of personality he kind of shies away from it but i think he kind of felt an obligation to it because he was kind of you know his career was growing with crossfit whereas fraser's career you know crossfit was already made when fraser came along if that makes sense yeah another dynamic is it was already being talked about is this guy going to take down Froning? Yeah. Is he the next Froning? you know and i'm sure that was a delicate he's he's tired of it too he's like don't ask me about rich he's just tired of people asking him about it yeah so. i've seen him handle that question really well on numerous occasions i'm sure he's he is tired of answering it all right this this is going to be interesting for me uh the underperformer on Hold the on, yeah, i gotta do my top oh three, yeah bro. yeah come on bro i always try to <laughs> seal hunter out uh so neither one of y'all picked fikowski to podium huh no i picked third no i did oh yeah, that's right i did that's right i didn't yeah, yeah. Oh, i moved you thought olsen about that's that right spot. yeah i thought yeah. about Noah. uh i went with no olsen third um it's uh i i agree you know it's i think you know he's had a year he's been training with travis mary he's moved with his coach uh max i think is a great coach i think they're on to it i think that he'll have him peak for the games for the first time you know and and not peaking at regionals or the open you know a couple years ago he won the open this year he was 11th in the open he was fifth at regionals um i just think I, I could do a whole podcast on why I feel like Max Elhog is an incredible coach. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I think that Noah, you know, I think, you know, he's, he's the nice guy. He's always smiling. He's always happy. But I do think there's a competitor in there. And I think that he's tired of hearing about it this year. I think this might be the, you know, I'm sick of it. I'm going to do everything he's, I can to do it. He's kind of like Sarah, man. He always has just that one big mistake that just yeah. kills him. Like last year was that rope climb workout, and everybody keeps hounding him about that. And I, I don't think you'll see anything like that from this year. I really don't. I think I think he's, 
you know, he's a young dude. He's he's been he he came up. He was going to the games at what nineteen or twenty yep. or something. So I think he's maturing. I I, you know, I think I think he's going to get third. I think he's going to uh, knock uh, Fikowski out of the mix a little bit. Uh, second place, Velner. You know, Velner had the best over, uh, regionals out of everybody. Mm-hmm. He beat Frazier at, at the regionals. If you look at all the scores, um, so Velner, I agree. He's 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 on the rise. He's a really good good guy, good athlete, and it's it's crazy too because I think he's in chiropractic school too. So he's not a full time CrossFit athlete, but I mean, Frazier number one. You just can't pick against him. I I think he's just dominant. I think we've said about all we can about Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's going to be cool to watch. I'm definitely going to be excited yep. to watch that. So let's let's throw it back to you, Hunter, and say uh, who's going to under going to underperform. This was hard to pick for the men because there's not a whole lot of, like I said before, there's a whole lot of new guys in there. There's yeah. a whole lot of no names. Um, so, uh, and you know, a lot of the veteran guys that are coming back, you know, they typically finish in the middle of the pack or towards the bottom, and so I, I don't really see. Uh, much change there, but I I went with Sean Sweeney just because he won the South Regional pretty dominantly. Uh, he's been to the games a couple years ago. He didn't do well at the games that time, but I, you know I think by fact of winning the region, you might have some higher expectations. But I still I think he'll probably finish. He'll be in that last heat for most of the weekend, uh, or the first. I'm sorry, the first heat most of the weekend. So uh, I went with Sweeney, but you know that was that was a tough pick. I think the the men's field is a lot more predictable than the women's field. I can go with that. How about you, Chris? Yeah, my uh, my uh, bus for the weekend, I think, is going to be Scott Panchik. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like, dude, like just over the last couple of years, man, it just seems like every time you hear something about him, he's recovering from something. He yeah. seems like he's his health has been a, ho- a house of cards the last couple of years. He's just he's getting on up there. And um, I don't know. I just I have I think this is going to be the year that he finally that he finally has a finish outside of the top ten. I mean, like you know, the guy he could finish twelfth, and that's going to be a lot worse than he has done his entire career. You know, and it's still great. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it was really it was really hard. It was really hard to pick uh to pick one of those. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm going with him. It's coming for sure for him. You know, he yep. was 21st at oh, out of the 40 in regionals. I would hate to see him stay one year too long. Yeah, you know? and then you know Ben Smith, same same thing. You know yep. Ben Smith was thirteenth in regionals out of all of them. So uh, we'll see. You know those guys, man, they've been around for so long, and they just know they play the weekend so smart. They mm-hmm. know yep. not to to blow it out in one workout. They know it's a long weekend, and I think there's a lot to be said for a lot of these guys check out by Sunday or Saturday afternoon. Some of these guys that are first or second year, they're like, I'm not going to finish. I'm just here to have fun. And they check out. And these guys like Scott and Ben that have been there for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, they keep taking advantage and yep. keep getting those points and they keep moving up that leaderboard. And next thing you know, they're fifth, sixth, seventh place again, once again. So uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. All right. I'm going to, I picked uh, as the underperformer, Ben Smith. Um, yep. I, I picked it a, a lot because of the injury uh, portfolio that he's got. Yeah. That's one of those things that, especially you start talking about your back, man, that, that can creep in real quick and, and just decimate you. you know. And even if you're going at this grind, it could be difficult to, to get through that. Uh, but I, I say underperform out of a great deal of respect because I feel like this guy is should be – one of those top CrossFit guys, and it's just always eluded him some somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, except for the year he won, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But I'm saying, 
he's a guy the year he won was like oh this guy's gonna be crossfit forever i mean he's gonna be top the podium forever i mean he was seventh place last year i mean that i mean this is his 10th year at the games yeah 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 so i don't know i think i know i'm picking on guys that have been around for a while and and women too like oh this will be the finally be their last year and we'll just be doing that respectful wave on the on the last day uh but i mean i don't know i just i felt like and looking at you Ben could, Smith, and you could see one either Ben Smith or Scott yeah. Pancheck have that that Stacy Tovar yeah. moment, which which last year that was probably one of the coolest moments of the game. Stacy Tovar doing her last event and leaving her uh, her lifters out there on the uh, on the finish line. I thought that was really yeah. cool. I think it'll come for Scott first. Scott, I think Scott's like 32, 33. Yeah. Uh, Ben's still in his twenties. He does look like he looks like he's in his forties. <laughs> he looks like a dad, <laughs> but but he's still in his twenties. I mean, he his first year at the games, I think he was eighteen. So this is his tenth year, and he's still late twenties. So that's crazy. So what is it that's kept him from from topping the? Is it is it just the Fraser principle, or I mean, what's kept him from being up there more? I, I think it's just natural talent. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think he's a good athlete. Mm-hmm. I think he's super smart. I think he works really hard. He's really smart with his training. But, uh, you know, I think when you when you get to that, you know, I'm not really big in saying, you know, talent. You know, I th- I'm, I'm a firm believer in hard work and the people who make it to the top are the hardest workers and the ones who have been doing it the longest. But I think at the elite of the world class of any sport, the top of the top, the separation between first and tenth is – the inherent inherent talent i think that's like one percent i think it's maybe even less than one percent but at that level that's enough to separate you athletes like if you go to the olympics of the 100 meter dash all those guys are world class and they all have been (laughs) they've been training for that their whole lives and you know their training is largely the reason they're there but the difference between usain bolt and the guy who doesn't qualify for the finals is what Two tenths of a second, yeah, you know. That, and I think yeah. that comes down to you know just an inherent talent. And so I think Ben, I think he's great. I think he wor- he's one of the hardest, if not the hardest, workers in CrossFit. I think he's one of the smartest workers in CrossFit. He's got a great crew working out with him. I just think it's this that that one percent is is what keeps him from being the Matt Fraser of CrossFit. Dang, that's depressing. Well, you heard it. You heard it here first, right? <laughs> okay. Th- I think I'll save this for last because I think it's going to be the most fun because it's probably the least informed. Uh, but that that's all right. So we get into our team now. We got our top uh, top three teams, right? We down yeah. to that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's start back over to Hunter. Let's start with Hunter. Top three teams. All right. Um, this was hard. You know, it's hard with the team because it's been six person team every year, and now it's four person team. So you don't you can't really compare. Um, what's the dynamic going to look like? Four-person team is going to be more of the – if you have a really good athletes, you know, who's top two athletes. Is who's that, cycling back on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't want to touch that right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Maybe another episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, is it the people with the top is top level competitors? Is that – are they going to perform better? Um, whereas the six-person team, it's more about who's your weakest teammate. I think four-person team is going to be more about who's your strongest teammate, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, it's hard to tell. Um, but for my top three, I'm going to go with uh, CrossFit OC3 third, uh, CrossFit Invictus X second, and CrossFit Mayhem Freedom first. I just I don't think you can bet against Rich, especially with now that they have four four people on the team instead of six. Um Mayhem Freedom was first at regionals, second in the open. So I think they're 
almost a lock to win. Invictus X was second at regionals, third in the open. They look really strong. You know, they got Sam Dancer and his wife. and They got uh, that other guy who made the games last year as an individual. I can't remember what his name is. And then third, OC3, you know, I went back and forth between them and Don't Stop for uh, third place. Um, I just think that Don't Stop has um, – they got some really good individual athletes, but I think that the – the games is so much about teamwork, way more so than regionals is. And um, I also think there's a lot more endurance type stuff, which I don't see those people being very strong at. Um, so I'm going to go with OC3. They um, they got eighth at the games last year as a team. Uh, they won the Open this year, and they were 11th at regionals. But I think that they have some good enduring athletes on their team. So I'm going to go with OC3 third. Solid choices. I can agree with all that logic. How about you? My, yeah, my my top three is basically exactly the same, except I did slide. Uh, don't stop into uh, into my top three. I was actually, I I thought they as a team performed a lot better than I expected them to at regionals, and I think with they'll have that like they've got time now. If you uh, if you follow any of those guys on social media, they're together all the time, and they're I mean they're they're in it to win it, man. And you know. Um, she, uh, Sheila Barden and um, what's the uh, what's the other girl's name? Rachel Garibay. Yeah, I mean, like you know, if you are, uh, you know, if you're only as strong as your uh, as your best girl, man, those two girls, I would put yeah. them up against anybody else in the any other girls in the team, man. You got two just absolute bulldogs yeah. right they, there, they, man. They uh, they are tough, tough, strong. tough. Yeah, they got a solid team. I th- I, th- I think they're all four similar athletes which mm-hmm. i think could be the, their downfall i think Probably. they all have the same strengths and they all have the same weaknesses so i don't we'll see it'll be it'll be fun to watch all right so my picks were based on just uh watching teams that come out of these machines and how they do mm-hmm. uh so you've got two mayhem teams you've got and i know one was that way down i say way down 15 16 yeah. something like that god that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> so you got two mayhem teams and then you've got the invictus element i mean Come on, these guys in CrossFit. I mean, how, how and they do well at the games. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're like, oh, well, this is a great CrossFit business model and machine, and they have a couple. Of, no, they do great at the games. And I think you've got the you have the rich element in the team that he's on, but then you also have his ability to help people decode and figure out what went wrong yeah. in regionals and prepare for the games. I mean, you just cannot underestimate how valuable that experience is. So I I'm gonna. Will they be able to recover from 15 all the way up to a t- to the top three? I don't know. But I know enough about Mayhem and how they've performed in the past to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. So the, it, it, I can't pick which team is going to do do better on either one of these, but I think based on name recognition and seeing how they've done at the games, I'm going to go with it's going to be a Mayhem Invictus top three. Yeah. How's that? Without choosing. Two Mayhems and one Invictus? I'm going to say two. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm gonna go with yeah, two mayhems and one of it. Yeah, it would have have to be. You gotta you gotta give us an order, bro. All right, so let's put let's put Froning's mayhem at the top. Then uh-huh. we got Invictus with two, and then I'm gonna try to get that second mayhem team to get that third spot. Okay, God, surprisingly. Now there's three Invictus teams. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Mm-hmm. There's Invictus X. There's CrossFit Invictus, and then there's CrossFit Invictus Back Bay. Yeah. So the easiest, you know, you got. Boston, the easiest one to pick would be X because they're already yeah. at the top. So, yeah. because I don't know a lot about the makeup of their team, I'm just going to take their placing in regionals and say, Let's Yeah, I know X Sam there. Dancer wears a lot of makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, those let's are, say those X. are solid picks. And then yeah. you go, we go back to the, the training environment. I mean, 
mayhem is exhibit a of that you know mm. rich froning is he's got all these people coming in and they got they qualify two teams for the games they got i can't remember how many individuals competing at regionals i mean they're it's just a melting pot of of good athletes over there and invictus same thing all those people train together all the time so anyways yeah i expected a lot of blowback from calling a team up from 15th and regionals or 16th and regionals to the podium man the, the, the to, first to be year, honest with you man two through 20 yeah <laughs> it's wide open really? the first year that rich's team won the games i mean they were not even close uh yeah. at regionals and they, they worked their way up so I was, and their games were kind of shaky too they had yeah. to like fight their way back in mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah we'll see how that goes do we have a uh underperforming team i got one you right. chris Say that again. Underperforming team. Uh, no. No. <laughs> this was hard to pick just because, like I said, it's going from six to four. You know, there's a lot of change up on the teams every year. But I went with um, Reebok CrossFit 1. Uh, they got fifth at the games last year. They were 13th out of the 40 in the regionals, 20 sec- 22 out of the 40 in the open. I um, just haven't been super impressed with them from a team that was top five at the games last year. So I was just looking them up, looking at their their performance in each workout and the events at regionals. Some and, big uh, names on there, just some. Yeah, Maliolo, some Spencer Hendel. Names. I can't. I, I'm not sure who the the women are, but um, they. Uh, yeah, I. You know, top five. I don't think they'll get top five this year. I think they'll finish somewhere around, you know, ten, ten to fifteen, some range somewhere in there. Yeah, they're just kind of they're kind of all over the board with the all all the way through their events. Event one was pretty tough for them, it looks like on um, games.crossfit.com. So checking that out, it'd be cool to have some of our listeners kind of do a little bit of <laughs> figuring this out. It really actually I think takes your enjoyment watching the games. It it builds that the more you know about these athletes, the more you know about the history of these teams. You're having an informed perspective on what's going on. I, I think it's really helped me in watching the games. You're already impressed, but to know, oh, now you got some buy-in. How are these guys going to do? Where are these guys in their heats? Are they going last or in the middle as the weekend progresses? Yeah, the uh, the fantasy league that we do has made it so much more fun for me to watch because you care. You actually want to watch the later heats if you have somebody in there. Um, so that's it's. This will be our I think our fourth year to do it, Chris. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been a blast. Yeah, I know I'm out of my league trying to get involved with that. So, uh, although after this episode, I feel yeah, highly informed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I do have a a dark horse for the team too. Do there you, you have one, Chris? No, I uh, mine is CrossFit Seoul Miami. Uh, I don't know how much of a dark horse they are. They were third at regionals this year, but um, they look really strong to me. Uh, they 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 work really well as a team. I follow some of them on Instagram. They've been looking really really good. So I can. I think they'll move into the top ten, have a chance to get top five. So CrossFit Seoul, Miami, uh, look out for those guys. Man, solid. All right, so I think we have a lot of a lot to take in as we're checking out the games. They will be starting. Help me with the time barrier here. They will be starting. If this comes the day out after. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, it'll start tomorrow. If you're listening to this, <laughs> it will be starting. If starting you're listening tomorrow. to this on the day it comes out, if you're listening to this later <laughs> on, who knows when they when? Who when knows? They, yeah. Something Check we should, your local local listings. local listings. Yeah, the thing we should also mention is uh, while the games are going on, this will be a, a pretty steady presence on the on the screens at uh, at Coyote. So yeah. coming in to work out, and that's a cool part of what the games provides too. Is you come in for a workout, and it builds community. I think because you hang out a little bit longer than you normally would just to check out a few things that are going on uh, on the TV the, the TV there. So if you're on the fence about coming in to work out it would be a cool week to do that absolutely all right so we transition to our next segment outside the box 
Nailed it. Trying to take you on so that one, Hunter. Yes. What'd you say? So creepy? Yes. I said it was so good. Oh, yeah, so good. So much <laughs> Same better. thing. Same thing. Content for Outside the Box, we are going to, and I think it's very impressive we've waited this long to do this, but we're going to Last Chance You. All right? So we're, we're going to discuss how much is there to discuss mm-hmm. about this part of our, our culture, but we'll, I guess we'll try to keep it within a couple of different veins. Yeah. Uh, we've got a new season that's, that's come out on, on Netflix. Netflix yeah. Yep. And, uh, they've changed locations, which I think was a smart play, by the way, we got to yeah. yeah. try to keep people interested and things kind of seem to fall apart at our other location <laughs> at the end of last season. Uh, so how do we want to start this conversation? We want to, I mean, there's just so much that's electric about this show. Uh, I I think we can um we can start off just you know ranking the seasons like which ones have we uh, have we enjoyed the uh, enjoy the best I mean there's only three but yeah um, so top three yeah so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so um I, the the first season was just so incredibly groundbreaking and yeah. the uh, the players that they followed were so interesting um and I I I, I've, I think I've gone back and watched the the first season a couple of times um. So the first season was definitely my favorite. This season was uh, was second, and then season two was uh, was third. And I tell you, I tell you what, this third season really jumped out and hit me uh, hit me pretty hard because you're like, you know, there's there's no way that you're gonna have a, that you're gonna have a coach more brash and more in your face than Buddy Stevens. But oh my, hold my gosh. beer and watch this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good Lord. I don't think I can top that. <laughs> Hold my beer. Let's get a I white guy cr- from Compton. <laughs> I couldn't curse that much if he gave me $10 per oh, curse word. Man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you imagine the producers are sitting around like, okay, how are we going to top this? And they're just sweating it. And then somebody gets a text. Hey, have you checked into this guy? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I was going to rank them a, a very, very similar way because – I, I just appreciate the first time something like that happened. Like, whoa, this is new. And then as a we're we're just we've been raised as consumers. There's just no doubt about it. So when you get to that second season, you can tell. Okay, here's some adjustments they made. Here's what they're trying to respond to. The people that are on camera really understand what a big deal this is now. So it kind of makes things drop for me. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm equally as interested in. I haven't watched season three yet, except for the a couple of the previews. I'm equally as interested in three as I was one. So that's probably a good time. But I think it's the same thing making that happen. It's just new. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I ranked the same as Chris. I thought the first season was the best just because it was new. You got really attached to the athletes. Like I'm still following, kind of seeing where they're at. You know, there's a couple of them that are in the NFL now, and um, just I I follow their their careers. And um, you just I was really emotionally attached to them. I thought season two was a train wreck, a slow train wreck, (laughs) and it was just it was tough to watch the unraveling of those people there and the staff and and him running those people off and then season three like chris said man i think that has to set a record for the most f words in a a tv show ever season ever i mean it's it's gotta be in the thousands it's gotta be i mean it was unbelievable but if you get if you can look past that like the first it took a couple episodes to (laughs) wait a minute wait a minute it's like but if you can look past, no, like the here's most, the, here's the yeah. thing, it takes a couple episodes to adjust to that <laughs> amount of profanity. <laughs> but once you get past that, it's, you just almost kind of just tone it out as just normal, and then yeah. you can actually listen to what the guy's saying. If you haven't been in a locker room in a long time, it can definitely be a big, big yeah. shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. It's 
some guys or some coaches are really against that. Some don't don't mind it. I mean, it's interesting which side those guys fall on. But I agree. It's kind of like watching a movie where, like, well, that's just the culture of this, what's going on right now, and it, it doesn't bother me that much. It's, in some way, it kind of doesn't feel as profane as if you, like, dropped it uh, having Thanksgiving lunch with your grandmother. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a different environment. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, I think we are attracted to, to new things. That's cool. But um, – the athletes are, are a lot of them are new each time. So let's dive into this just a little bit because I think this is a really really big part of the of the conversation with what you guys have committed to do with your with your lives actually, and that's invest in people, try to make those people better, people who maybe don't believe in themselves. And there's tons of parallels between what you guys do every day in this show. How do you feel about that methodology of coaching? Well, when I was uh, when I was in college, we had a lot of guys come to uh, come to Bellhaven from uh, from junior colleges, and you know they, um, a lot of them would uh, would tell you that you know that's the uh, that's the only way that you're going to get a response out of those guys because that's just how they were uh, how they were brought up. But I never bought into that because this is my thing. It's like, well, if that's all they're used to, then they're then they're tone deaf to it. Why would they even respond to it? You know, I mean, I really. I truly believe that um, if you show the kid, uh, if you show the kid that you care, you unconditionally care about them. You know, they may try to uh, um, to bend the rules and maybe walk on you a little bit, but I think you know if you are truly invested, you know, as a coach, and that means that you want to help young people succeed, you have to show them that that you care about them so much that you know as much as they push back you're going to keep on step you're going to keep on showing up every day and um and trying to get them where they need to be so no i absolutely do not think that all the cursing and stuff is necessary just to get their attention Hmm. so i mean i i don't buy into that i could see that my thoughts on the cursing is that um i you know i played independent baseball and my coach talked like that and i think that in pretty much every professional sport the coaches are going to talk like that i think that they have to talk like that to some extent to get respect from the athletes i think that their players won't respect them if they're not if they if they're not talking at least somewhat like that then they're they're going to think they're soft and they're not going to get respect from them i almost think it's a necessity for that um but i think that you know the the coach in season three he really seemed like he cared about the athletes more so than the the first coach yeah and uh, but something that really, really stuck out to me that he said in season three was he was talking, uh, I think he was talking about the quarterback. And he had basically just like, man, I've done everything I can to help this guy out, and he's just not getting on board. I just, there's nothing else I can do. And I really related to that in in the fitness side of things in that, man, a lot of times we want the people to succeed more than they want to succeed. They don't mm, realize they don't, yep. they don't realize – what it takes to succeed and they just self-sabotage they want they're not willing to do it and it's like there's only so much we can do to help somebody else if they're not willing to help themselves then it's just not going to work out and eventually you get to a point where man i have done literally everything to help this person out and it just it's just not working like i can't do anymore for them and i think i think in junior college you especially see that because all those kids are there for one reason or the other they all would rather be somewhere else they would all rather be d1 
and they're there because either they didn't make the grades or they messed up or whatever the case may be, but they are doing stuff that's hurting themselves. And these coaches are trying to help them. They're trying to get them where they need to be, but a lot of them are looking at them as the adversary. They're looking at them as the authority that's trying to bring them down when what they're trying to do is bring them up. And so I think that it's a very tough – man, it's a tough job. I don't know how they do it. And it, that was one of the things that fascinated me about the whole show in general was – you know, growing up in Mississippi and having so many junior colleges here, junior college is so big and the junior college sports are all really big. And, you know, so many people that go to junior college, but I didn't really know a whole lot about it. You know, I've heard I'd heard of scuba. I think I played a baseball game one, there one time, but I didn't really know much about it. And just seeing the dynamic of what goes on there and seeing you know how hard it is to be a coach there and what those people are dealing with and how hard it is for these kids that are that are coming in and they have never been taught anything like they're good at sports so they're just pushed through the system and they're 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 not held accountable at all they just get passed on to the next grade so they can continue to play football and they had like some of them can barely even read i mean it's just it's just a sad reality but it is it's true and just see what led them there and i really felt for some of those kids when you go back and see the situation they were raised in i think one of the one of the kids in the first or the second season, like he saw his dad kill his mom or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. he saw it happen. Like how, you know, how do you, God, it's hard to succeed after you've seen something like that. And then you're growing up in this, in an environment that's set up to make you fail. I mean, just kind of seeing that whole dynamic and you can kind of see why the kids are the way they are. You can see why the coaches act the way they do that. You can see why the teachers act the way they do. And I think they did a great job of finding, uh, really good teachers at both schools who wanted to help those kids out yeah. you know that 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 teacher in season three man she was a rock star she was awesome yeah. you know we need more teachers like her because she um she cared about those guys and she wanted to help them out and she she knew the stuff that was ingrained in their brain and she was trying to get it you know trying to teach them no that's not right that's not what's going to make you succeed so she, she did a great job of, of being supportive of them on the field mm-hmm. but also keeping them grounded yeah and helping them to understand that not all of you are going to go to the nfl yeah and understanding if you go to the nfl the average lifespan in the nfl is what like two years yeah so yeah. you go in at 21 you're out at 23 24 25 what are you going to do now? You never focused on your studies. You don't have anything to fall back on. And they just can't see, they can't see that future. All they see is uh, what's in front of them. And I thought she, man, she made a really good point too. I'm just now remembering this. She's talking about, you, what do you guys see? What do you guys see of, of, of uh, black men succeeding in society? And she was talking about, you see athletes, you see, um, and rappers musicians yeah yeah and that's all they see and so that's all they think is out there and they don't see successful businessmen or whatever so they don't they don't aspire to be like that she was like you need you need you need to see these other successful people in others areas so you say hey i can do that too because if if all you're seeing is one thing that's going to think that's going to make you think that's the only thing that you can do yeah so that was yeah she, she was awesome man she was one of my favorite parts of the of the season three it really uh, the the show if nothing else it really hit home with uh, with me to you know remind me that the that the decisions that I make as a uh, as a parent can have ripples through generations not just uh, not just through my daughter but you know her kids when the, you know one day so it really uh, it, it makes me take a you know take time to to just sit down and really think about you know what kind of an ex- what kind of an example am i being you know for uh for my daughter you mm-hmm. know and so when 
making sure that you know if I get you know if, if I get home if I'm if I'm tired or stuff like that or if I'm getting uh, if I'm getting onto or making sure that you know that I uh, that I correct with a spoon but I love and affirm with a bucket. You know? Right, that's, yeah. good, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, shows like this they often peel back the curtain on on the poverty trap, the glass ceiling. Like, man, how do the how do people like this get ahead? And the guys that do get ahead, it just brings up an interesting dynamic in that this is part of a larger uh, juggernaut that makes a lot of money for some people at the top. You know, so I mean, I know we don't have time to dive into the money conversation, but the athletes. Are, are cashing in to a certain degree, but there are other people that are in the boxes mm-hmm. up top of these staves that are cashing in even more. Oh, uh, way more, yeah. So you talk about the education crisis going on in the United States. Uh, I mean, this is showing up in a lot of different ways and has mm-hmm. for a long time trying to use tax dollars to fund education. But what if the people who are um, at the JUCO level that are investing in these athletes, what if they didn't have to worry about money? What if they could yeah. do that for the rest of their life because they're helping these guys succeed post when they're making money for professional sports. It just, I think we have to get into when you face those sorts of things, you start thinking about how do we solve this? You've got to get into some very interesting, creative solutions because what we're doing right now isn't working because you say the teacher says that a lot of you guys aren't going to make it to the NFL. What happens after that? And let's not even talk about the 30 for 30s that we watch where the guys make it and they're handed all the money they could possibly ever dream of. And three years later, they're, they're yeah. driving. And, a logging and, truck. and didn't yeah. she didn't she bring that up uh, at one point about how um, those uh, those guys or maybe maybe it was on a different podcast I was listening to but they were, they were talking about the it was like eighty percent of the players that retire are broke within three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a real statistic. Information is power, yeah. and uh, if, if you could have I don't know it's just something that I, I would love for that the the in industry of professional sports to start to figure out how to invest in that because that makes it even more attractive i think it's just like a, a reflection of society as a whole and like look at the people who are blasted in front of you every day as successful you know what are they doing it's like you're, it's actors it's athletes it's whatever it's not people who um you know have worked hard uh, at, a, at a business or whatever the case may be, built, worked their way up in, in the food chain and, and made success of themselves. Or, no, it's this kid who makes YouTube videos and, and has <laughs> a million followers on Instagram. He's a successful person, and that's what everybody wants to be like. Well, I'm just going to make YouTube videos or I'm going to make you know music or whatever the case may be. Not, like, not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but, I mean, what you're, what you're glorifying in the media every day and what people are seeing every day, that's what they're going to want to be and what they think they need to do. And so if you're not glorifying the importance of, you know, getting a good education, um, learning how to handle your finances, all that type of stuff, they're not going to think that's important because that's not what they're seeing, you know. Yeah. But, Chris, you bring up a good point, and we, this is something we should mention here. You know, when you have the ability to influence, that is a huge responsibility. Yeah. And uh, I think there's so much of that that goes on between coach and athlete. And I know I'm the person I am today a lot because of the family that I was raised in, but a whole lot because of the people, the men and women coaches outside of my family that invested in me when they didn't have to. 
you know, and when we were losing and when I was injured and all of those things that you have this relationship with a coach that you feel like is performance based. If, if I'm good, I'm a good athlete, the coach is going to like me. But when it steps outside of that, boy, that just speaks a lot, a whole lot. Oh, yeah. And um, I see you guys have that in your coaching strategy inside of Coyote. But, yeah, I think it's important you see these guys that have been given some really difficult life situations that they didn't call on, you know, and, and you, you, you're surprised by the meltdowns that they have in these other respects. Like, that's nothing compared to what you've actually gone through. But when everything's hanging on this sport to get you out of that, I think that explains a lot of those reactions that you'll see, you know. Yeah. So yeah, all right. Well, I'm, man, I'm gonna go home today and do nothing and watch just uh, binge watch this. Oh, that's great. This third, I'm yeah. definitely got to put some headphones in though. If you're <laughs> speaking of influencing yeah, if your, your children kids are around, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to watch it. All right, let's step in. I think this really my recommend actually really correlates with this last chance. You, Hunter, you said you've got to recommend us a book this week, right? Yeah, um, mine is a book I uh, read a while ago, man, probably 10, 15 years ago. And then I reread it maybe five or six years ago. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It's called a Confederacy of Dunce, of Dunces. Uh, it's a fiction book, and it was actually written by a guy in his 20s. Never, It was never published, and uh, he actually committed suicide when he was like 31, 32. And his mom found the manuscript in his desk after he died and sent it in to be published, and it ended up winning the Pulitzer Prize. Um, so it's a really, really good book. It's, it's a satire uh, fictional book. It's about this guy named Ignatius Riley who lives in New Orleans, and he just thinks he he's smarter than everybody. He thinks everybody around him is a confederacy of dunces. They're all idiots. He's the only one who knows anything. He lives at home with his mom in his room, uh, and he he just he's always thinking of all these conspiracy theories, and uh, he thinks you know the world is out to get him, and um, he goes through all these crazy adventures. He's selling hot dogs for a while. He's working in a um, in a manufacturing plant and he organizes a strike at the manufacturing plant, you know, all that. it's just thing after thing after thing is, is crazy, but it's just a really, really cool satire to talk about how we all live in our own little world and we all perceive the world differently. And we all think that we're right and everybody else is wrong. And it's just, it's just, you know, he, he makes it, he, he, you know, makes it blows it way out of proportion for this guy just to get your attention. So you can see, you know, how, how we all view the world through our own little lens and we all think we know it. But then, you know, the guy next to you, he's viewing the world through his own lens and he thinks he has, he thinks he knows everything right, you know, and every, every single person thinks they see the world a certain way and how they see it is right. And, you know, probably none of us are right. You know, you know, we all, we all have our own lenses that we see things, but, um, it's really, really funny too. You know, some of the, the, uh, dialogue is just hilarious. The guy's actually really smart. He's just, delusional and so I, I would highly recommend it. if if you ever read Don Quixote it's a it's similar to Don Quixote mm. uh, Don Quixote is one of my favorite books of all time too so a confederacy of dunces by uh, I think it's Henry O'Toole is his name uh, so go check that book out it's uh, one of my top five books of all times for sure sounds like that book could transform American religion and politics if we just hand yeah, that out the yeah. street corner I mean it was it's a it's a well-known book like I said it won the Pulitzer Prize in the in the 70s I think it's a it's a good book, but I it's one of my first recommended books for anybody. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. Uh, I've still got to finish the book you let me borrow six months ago. 
uh, the Vikings book? Yeah, it's on my nightstand. You hadn't finished yet? Yeah, like three-fourths <laughs> of the way finished and then Man. just gave up on it. Uh, here's one that I've uh, read recently. It's my recommend. It actually ties into this Last Chance You conversation. Uh, Culture Code by Coyle. This guy, Coyle. Mm-hmm. Man, he, he wrote, I think first he wrote Talent Code maybe. This Culture Code is the first illustration of the book just had me riveted. And uh, it just I read it, I think, in, in two days, which I, I'm not a fast reader. But I would recommend it. It talks about how uh, the culture of a place causes or does not cause success. And he dives into all these different teams and what makes a successful team and what you think might but doesn't. goes against a lot of our just kind of knee-jerk reactions or impressions on what would make a place or particular people inside of a place successful. Uh, one of the most fascinating chapters, though, was on the Spurs, which really caught me because I, I usually just, if it's anything NBA, I skip it. Um, uh, but this guy Popovich, you guys yeah, know this Greg word? Popovich. Yeah. Uh, so, Papa. Uh, Papa, Papa who? Papa. Anyway, I just don't follow the NBA. I mean, I knew I knew about the Spurs from back in the day. You know, this is, uh, what was the guy's name? This is my house. This Tim is, Duncan? No way. David back. Robinson? David, yeah, uh, David the, Robinson. The Admiral. Yeah, yeah. So, and I knew they were they were winning like crazy and all that, but I didn't know anything about the culture of the team, and the, the way this guy coaches, from what I can pick up on reading in this chapter, is the exact opposite of Last Chance You. He's opening up wine and throwing dinners for everybody. If he's got to reprimand, uh, if he has to reprimand a player, the player picks like the most expensive bottle of wine in the office to open up. They have a glass of wine together and talk about him like. Whoa. that's that's fascinating you know it's it's the exact opposite of what you would th- uh, think about at uh Saban in Alabama where he's hitting the button to close the door and you yep. know you're in deep trouble you know <laughs> uh so anyway I would just recommend culture code it's a very fast read even if you only read it in the bathroom you'd be finished in two weeks I've so, heard of that I, I need to check that out for sure yeah it's a good one really really good one so that that wraps up our recommends hey speaking of recommends here's what we're going to ask you to do if you enjoy listening to the podcast uh, Chris, you don't have a recommend, do you? I do, actually. Oh, I yeah. thought you said no. No, I do. Your Here recommend we... doesn't matter, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, this is what I do on the podcast. I just cut people off. Yeah. Is it? Um, no, mine is a, is a book that uh, that Hunter actually actually gave me. It was called Turning Pro. It's by Stephen Pressfield. And uh, really, really good. It's a, uh, it's a short read. I think it's only like a her- 132 pages or something like that. But it's very, uh, it's very short chapter. Some of the, some of the, the chapters are only uh, – um, only a page long some are only a sentence and uh it's really uh it's really it's really awesome basically it's uh the premise of it is that um we are all amateurs in whatever we're doing whatever our career is until we decide to uh quotation marks turn pro and um it talks about you know what are the differences between an amateur and a pro and he makes a the whole first half of the book is talking about amateurs and him giving examples and um, the times that he spent as an amateur writer before he decided to go all in on himself and on his talents. And he makes this really, really interesting um, comparison of amateurs to addicts, like uh, people that are that are addicted to uh, to alcohol or drugs or even uh, even so uh, technology and things like that, fear and um he basically talks about it they're all in this um you uh we all have something that is holding us back and amateurs are just addicts who haven't done anything about their addiction yet and um big statement oh yeah well it's it's uh it's great and then um he tells uh he basically he tells a story about like his turning pro year he worked uh basically he worked enough to where he had enough money to rent a um 
a studio apartment above somebody, some random dude's garage for, I think it was like $120 a month, something like that. And he would spend $25 a month or a week on food. $25 a week on food again through the week. He didn't go anywhere. He stayed in the apartment and he wrote, uh, he wrote a book and he wrote, uh, and he wrote, uh, uh, playwrights and none of them got published. He went back to work until he could do it again. And he did it again and finally got a book published and made like, I think like maybe $10,000 off of it or something like that. And, uh, that's cool. He's uh, he he is awesome. I recommend it to anybody. It's another fast read. You can. I'm not a fast reader either. I think I read it in like three sittings. So three books today. Yeah, Look yeah, that's that. a great book. I and I I got it for Chris and Caleb to read. And um, man, it'll really open your eyes and just show you the difference between what you are doing and what you need to be doing. You yeah. know, show you the difference between people who are professionals or whatever the case may be, or successful or whatever area. You know, they do things no matter what. Like, they say they're going to do something, they do it every single day. They come in and show up and do it every single day, and it's just a mindset that they have, and um, nothing's going to get keep them from doing what they know they need to do. Um, so it's it's really, it's really really good. Cool, cool. All right, I'm going to check both those out, probably in, in that order. I'm starting to read a little bit more. I'm hanging around Hunter too much, <laughs> right? So, all right, so now can I officially wrap the episode? Yes. Can we do that? Okay, so here's what we're going to ask listeners. You guys would uh, – be so kind as to like, rate, share, and leave reviews would be the most important thing because we believe we got some valuable content here that we want more people to hear, and you are the key to making that happen. So after this episode wraps, if you'll take that 30 seconds and just leave a review on the Coyote Fitness Podcast, that will help us bump up in that algorithm and get to more people. As always, we say thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.